that we made what's going on everybody my name is david castle also known as homage to some and this is the first episode of my new podcast it's called do the knowledge with homage so welcome if you're listening right now you are a day one listener and congratulations to you um yeah so here we go let's just jump right into it man i'll tell you a little bit about why i decided to do a podcast it's just just something i always wanted to do you know trying to produce more content Put on more music and diversify my shit. Hold on one second. And yeah, you know, I just I just uh, enjoy talking. I want to give my perspective on stuff. So for today's topic, you know, I want to talk about my trip to Southeast Asia. I just got back from a big trip. Some would call it a trip of a lifetime, you know, whatever you want to say. It was really fun, though. I had a great time and... uh it's something I just did, so something fresh. It's something I could talk about. Um, but for future topics on this thing, we could talk about all kinds of shit, you know? I'm really into, like, conspiracies and hip-hop and skateboarding, current events, politics. I mean, you know, nothing's off the table, so we'll see what the future holds. But for today, we'll talk a little bit about what I did in Southeast Asia and why I decided to go on the trip and just uh, let you know what I did over there, so... Flashback to uh, last year, I was selling cars. That was my job. I worked there for about almost two years, and I liked it. It was okay, but it wasn't really my thing. I I was making okay money, you know. Things were good with regards to that, but my heart wasn't in it, you know. It's not something I love to do. I don't give a fuck about cars, to be honest with you. So it's like I kind of felt like I was was wasting my time and pursuing something that I didn't really feel 100% about. Um, it wasn't like doing music or something. I fucking love doing music, you know, like that wouldn't be a problem to do, but to, to be selling cars and, and doing some shit I don't really care about. Hold on one second. Let me try to fix my camera here. Uh, yeah, it's just something I didn't really want to do, you know? So I decided a long time ago when I first got that job that I was just going to work, save up some money and then quit my job and go travel. And that's exactly what I did. Um. Uh, I quit my job on the last day of December and then went traveling on January 6th of 2019. So it was a great time, man. I mean, it was something really amazing. I decided to do Southeast Asia because it's cheap and it's so much different than the United States. I mean, here in the U.S., you can go all around the country and things are going to be pretty similar. But you go somewhere like Asia and things are way different, man. Shit is a lot different than it is here in America. And that's the type of things that I wanted to experience. So that's why I chose there. Uh, 
I booked a ticket from San Francisco to Bangkok, and then it was on. Um, Right before I was about to leave, though, there was a huge fucking storm where I live. I live here in Carson City, Nevada. It's right on the base of the Sierra Nevada Mountains. So once in a while, we'll get some pretty big storms, you know, depending on the year. And apparently this year was fucking crazy. But the day I left on my trip is the day when the snow really started coming down. And there was just a gnarly fucking storm. So I couldn't drive to San Francisco. I ended up having to get a flight from Reno to Las Vegas and then from Las Vegas to Oakland. And then I took the subway from Oakland to San Francisco. And then then I left San Francisco the next day. Uh, so that was an event in itself, that shit kind of sucked, to be honest, you know, I had to spend a bunch of money, go way out of my way, and do a bunch of bullshit, but sometimes that's the way it goes when you're traveling. Uh, I stayed, I had to get a spot in San Francisco for the night, which, you know, I don't know if you guys have ever been to San Francisco, first of all, I love San Francisco, it's a beautiful city, I think it has a lot to offer, but unfortunately, man, there's a lot of fucking crime there and shit is grimy. You got bums taking shits in the middle of the street. I've literally seen this. And, uh, you know, people smoking crack everywhere and shit like that. And it's just a weird place, man. But I'm a skateboarder, so I have a special spot in my heart for San Francisco. Love San Francisco, but man, that shit's expensive and there's bums everywhere. And, you know, you you always kind of feel like you're going to get stabbed or something, so... Watch out for San Francisco. Anyways, I stayed in the ghetto there in some shitty little spot. It still cost me like 100 bucks, you know, because everything's so expensive there. Um, yeah, stayed in the ghetto in San Francisco, and then the next morning I caught the subway. Luckily, I was right next to the subway station, and I just took the subway to the airport, and then fucking it was go time. So, you know, went through all the TSA bullshit, did all that, had them scan my passport, do this and that. And then uh, I was on the plane, man. I had a fucking aisle seat, really shitty seat. And uh, luckily I sat next to this kid uh, who was also going to Bangkok. His name was John, maybe? I forget his name. But he was like a really experienced traveler. So it was kind of cool sitting next to him because me and him were like the only white kids on the plane, like the only Americans. I don't know, maybe they they were Asian Americans too, but we're the only people who... We're the only white people. I don't know. We felt out of place, I guess. No big fucking deal. We're all going to Asia. But it was cool to have John sitting right next to me because he was kind of in the same situation. He was a traveler as well, and he had already done it a few times. So he told me all about, you know, shit that he did. And it it really uh really got me going, man. It got me really excited. It was sick to see a kid around my same age who's uh going to do the same shit. And he actually was doing the whole fucking, you know, online make money online so you can travel, or what's it called, digital nomad or some shit like that, a lot of people are doing that over there, which, yeah, that's fucking cool, you know, more power to you, dude, I like to do some shit like that, maybe, but, uh, yeah, so, it was like a 16-hour flight to Hong Kong, which fucking sucked, man, I couldn't sleep, I was already really tired from the night before, because I didn't really sleep, because I was doing so much shit the day before just to get to San Francisco, and then you hop on the plane, it's a 16-hour plane ride, And man, people are just obnoxious. Man, I fucking hate people. I'm not going to lie. I don't hate everyone, but people on an airplane can get a little obnoxious, especially when it's a long flight. You know, everybody knows that. Uh, Yeah, couldn't sleep or nothing. I mean, the flight fucking sucked. You know, there's nothing else to say about that. But then I made it to Hong Kong, which was a trip. I fucking get out of the airplane. I'm walking around the the airport. The Hong Kong airport is pretty crazy. It's a pretty impressive uh, feat of architectural engineering. Uh... 
the roof is just crazy. It's like this perforated triangular metal roof, and it's just fucking humongous. It's a really nice airport, and everything's really expensive there, which is not that nice, but that's where my layover was. I chilled there for a few hours, and then I was off to Bangkok. Now, I landed in Bangkok around, it was almost midnight by the time I got there, midnight Thailand time, which is already a 16-hour time difference. I, don't, I forget if it's back in time or in the future. I don't know. But shit is way different there. And I remember being jet lagged as fuck and just my whole sleep schedule was all off for like 10 days. But uh, get to Bangkok and I'm fucking stoked. I'm like, hell yeah, man, I made it. I mean, look at me, I'm here. <laughs> so, you know, I was proud of myself. I went and got like an Uber taxi type thing to my hotel room, which was a trip in itself. The dude had a uh, YouTube playing on in like the, the center console where your radio would be. It's fucking watching YouTube. Hauling ass down the Bangkok freeway, driving like a crazy motherfucker, because that's how everyone drives down there. No offense, Thai people, but shit is kind of crazy there, by my standards. I get a little scared in cars. I've been in a few car accidents, bike accidents, skateboard accidents, anything you can imagine. I've probably eaten shit on it. So, you know, I don't really trust people, man. It's, that's a little scary, but nonetheless, made it to my hotel, no problemo. Chilled in Bangkok for a few days, kind of trying to assimilate and see what's going on there. And man, shit was just way different. Like, just going to the gas station was crazy. They have 7-Eleven everywhere over there, so you're never too far away from home with regards to that. You can go there and get your snacks and shit, but even, you know, they don't got the same snacks. Everything is in Thai. Everything looks way different. You can't read anything. Luckily, like, everybody speaks English. You know, pretty much everyone speaks at least a little bit of English over in Asia, which was kind of crazy, and all the other people traveling, too, for the most part, spoke English, so I lucked out there, because English is my only language, you know, uh, yo comprendo un poquito espanol, but I don't know much Thai, except sawadikat, I learned that over there, anyways, moving on, yeah, so Bangkok is just crazy, man, I, I decided to stay there for a few days, and I didn't really plan out my itinerary before I left, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing, I decided I would go land in Bangkok, and then just figure it out from there, I mean, I wanted to visit multiple countries, and I didn't really have a plan, though, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing, uh, chilled in Bangkok for a few days, and man, it's just a really busy city, it's a crazy third world country gigantic city i mean how do you describe it without going there it's it's kind of unbelievable until you're there uh but it was fun man i really liked it shit was different and you know i was traveling by myself i didn't really feel unsafe or anything felt fine there's plenty of people who travel the world alone and have no problems and i was one of those people as well uh one of the nights i went out to like the vegas strip of bangkok if that makes sense it's just a spot where everyone's partying man shit's Pretty crazy. You got alligator roasting on a stick. You got all these nightclubs. You got lots of hot Thai girls and just people having a great fucking time. All these people traveling and shit. I met this one girl there. She was from Paris. I forget her name, but uh, this pretty girl, you know, younger girl. And we chilled and talked for a while. And she was also a really experienced traveler, too. As I found out, a lot of people in Europe are. You know, it's not like us Americans where we, we're just chilling at home all the time and shit. So she told me all about the things that she did in Southeast Asia and like some of her favorite shit that she's done. And one of the things she told me that was really cool that she liked was going to Laos and doing this thing in Laos called the Gibbon Experience. And I was like, well, what's that? And she told me all about it. She said, you go into the jungle, you hike around, you stay in these giant tree houses and you're ziplining all across the fucking jungle of Laos. 
in the middle of nowhere. It's just the coolest shit ever. And I was like, fucking sign me up. So I found out what I was doing next. I was going north to to Laos, and I was going to do that in a place called Hoi Zai Laos, which is uh, north of Thailand, kind of up there by Chiang Mai. So I figured in the ma- in the meantime, I'd go check out Chiang Mai, which is in northern Thailand. And I really liked Chiang Mai. It was, it was cool, man. It's kind of up in the mountains, whole different scenery from Bangkok. It's a, it's a little bit smaller town, still a couple hundred thousand people or something, but definitely a different vibe than than Bangkok. And I really enjoyed Chiang Mai. It was beautiful. And, you know, it was crazy, too, uh, going to Thailand and just seeing the difference in people's values and stuff. People there, I mean, they're devout Buddhists for the most part. You see all these gigantic Buddhist temples, all these statues of the Buddha, and it's just everywhere. I mean, it's it's really everywhere, and it's such a huge part of their lives. And that's something we don't really have here in the West. I mean, you have Christianity, but it's nowhere near as uh, pervasive as Buddhism there is in in Asia, it's just, they're all about it, man. The fucking Buddha is everywhere. And that's cool. I really admire that. I thought I thought that was something something really cool, you know, just to see the devotion that people have to their God and their religion and how, how seriously they take it and how they're trying to use it to, to live a better lifestyle and shit. I admire that. That was cool to see. So, yeah, uh, I went from Bangkok up to Chiang Mai. I stayed in Chiang Mai for a few days. I uh, stayed at a couple hostels and... Shit like that. Met a bunch of kids who were traveling as well and got all their stories. And, you know, there's a lot of kids doing it right now, just backpacking across the world and going to all these places. It's a pretty cool thing that's going on right now. I talked to some girl who just got back from traveling Iran. She said that Iran was fucking awesome. One of the favorite places she had ever been, and she had been all over the world. But she's from Sweden or something like that. And I know us Americans, we're not allowed in Iran. Uh, I think even if you apply for a Uh, visa or something you get put on the terrorist watch list or some bullshit like that so unfortunately for us people born in america it's a little tough to get over to iran so fuck one of the perks of being an american i guess uh chilled in chiang mai for a little while i stayed at this one hostel that was a real fucking shithole it just sucked man the the mattresses were dirty as shit and it was just a weird vibes i don't really like hostels i came to find out everyone when i was about to leave they're like oh you got to stay at hostels man they're hella cool there's all these other travelers they're all having a good time you meet all these people and become friends and then you go travel the world together it's you know it's really fun but i got there and i wasn't into that shit man i fucking preferred to be by myself for the for the most part because you know the hostels are weird it's a lot of kids like partying and shit, which is cool, but it's just, you know, I've I've done a shitload of that in my life, and I didn't travel across the world so I can do some things that I already do here at my own house, you know. I've already partied a lot here in Carson City, Nevada, and surrounding areas, so, you know, one party, they're all kind of the same. Anyways, that wasn't why I went there. I wanted to experience the culture and, and see what things were really like and experience a different style of life, so that's why I went there. And I had a better time staying in hotels and shit. I got my own spot. Uh, It's not super loud for the most part. It depends where you stay. But I preferred having my own spot rather than the hostels. Uh, So yeah, I stayed in this really shitty spot out in Chiang Mai. I got like bed bugs. I woke up with all these fucking bumps all over my skin. And I'm like, man, fuck this. Granted, it was like a dollar or like two dollars or something to stay there. So, you know, I wasn't expecting the fucking four seasons or some shit but still you know it fucking fuck that you know i wanted to stay somewhere nice after that so on my way to hyoi zai 
I went to uh, this place called Chiang Rai, which is out by Chiang Mai. It's in northern Thailand as well, which was also a really cool town. I mean, there's not as much to do as there is in uh, Chiang Mai, but it's definitely really sweet. It's out in the northern Thailand, in the jungle, in the mountains, and it's fucking really cool. I stayed at this really nice spot. I spent a little more money. Stayed at like a resort with a pool and fucking jungle bungalows. I got eaten alive by mosquitoes, though, so that sucked. But I had a really good time there, and that was my first time uh, riding a motorcycle in Southeast Asia, which I came to do a lot while I was there. But uh, there was no food. The The chef didn't show up for work, so the guy who was running the place was like, hey, I can give you a ride to the store if you want to grab a pizza or something. I was like, fuck yeah, let's do it. I was already a little drunk at that time. But uh, yeah, I rode on the back of this scooter with this guy in Chiang Rai traffic, which, man, anywhere around there in those big cities, the traffic is nuts. Like, when I first got there, I was like, man, I couldn't imagine riding a motorcycle out here. I'd get fucking nailed by a car in no time. But, uh, you know, I was feeling a little confident, decided to hop on the back of the motorcycle with him. I'm not going to lie, I was riding bitch. I had no other way to go. I was hungry. Fuck it. So he took me to the Walmart of Chiang Rai. It was, it's not called Walmart, I think it's called Big C or something, I forget exactly what it was called, but I know that you could buy a house there, you can buy a car, you can buy like fucking pigs and goats and shit, and then you could buy your groceries and your clothes, so that was weird, but I thought it was really cool, you know, got my pizza and I was chilling. The next day, I set off for Laos. I took the bus to Hyoi Zai, and it was a traditional Southeast Asia bus, I mean, it was filled with people, they don't fucking leave until that shit is completely filled up or else they're just not going to leave. You're just going to sit there and wait. You know, if it's a regular public bus, which is usually what I was rolling on. Um, Really beautiful drive, driving past some rice fields and stuff. And, you know, you, you really get the experience of what the country is like when you're driving through the rural areas and, and seeing the scenery and stuff. You kind of get a feel of how people really live. You know, the poverty, the the standard of living and and all that stuff. And it's really crazy, man. You know, they're still growing a shitload of rice out there and and farming and, and doing all that, you know. Uh, get to Hyoizai, and that place was a trip, man. Laos is, you know, that's definitely a third world country. It's one of the poorest countries in the world, or in that region at least. But everyone's very, very nice, you know, very respectful and very just happy to see you, it seemed like. But driving through the through the town, you know, it's like a shanty town. There's no sidewalks or anything, just mud roads. Kind of like decrepit, decaying buildings. And I mean, not not the nicest place, you know. All the sewage, it's open sewage. That's mostly how it is everywhere out there. But it was really eye-opening to see that. And there's children everywhere. I mean, kids just fucking everywhere. There's so many more kids in that part of the world than there is here in the Western world. Because here we found, you know, abortion and uh, Planned Parenthood and all this shit to so people don't have babies, you know. And, you know, that's another story for another day, the whole reason behind that and and the agenda and shit behind that. But in Southeast Asia, there's still a lot of people having a lot of babies. I mean, that's just their culture. It's what they do. And there's children everywhere, which I thought was cool. I fucking love kids, you know. They're nice, nice little guys. I think they're funny. Uh... So, saw a bunch of kids there, you know, hung out in Hyoizai for a couple days. It was a really slow-paced little town, and that started the given experience. Uh, we got picked up in this big truck, driven out to the middle of the jungle in Laos, 
and you have to mob through a river in this truck. It was like a big Toyota diesel truck with these fat mud tires on them. And we almost got in a fucking wreck on the way there. This giant tank, this like oxygen tank, fell out of another truck when it was driving straight towards us. And it was about to run into us head on. And then at the last minute, it swerved out of the way because it was, it was passing another car, so it was in our lane. Last minute, it swerved out of the way, and then this giant fucking metal tank fell out the back of the truck. And it was huge. You know, it would have fucked this up. And it almost hit the front left tire of our truck. And there's like 10 people in the back of this truck fucking crammed in there. There's like five in the cab. So if we would have hit that, we would have went flying and tumbling down the fucking road, and we all would have died probably. And I was the only one watching. You know, I was the only one looking above the truck because we're in the bed of the truck, but I was looking out you know, over the front of the truck at the traffic because I was scared of fucking dying in, in a car wreck, which, like, almost happened. And I saw this whole thing take place while all these other people were talking about, like, their travel experiences. There was a bunch of very experienced travelers, and, you know, they loved talking about all the places they've traveled and shit. Meanwhile, I'm scared as fuck looking outside the road, and we almost died. And I turned around and told him, I was like, you guys don't even know what the fuck just happened because we almost died. That shit was crazy. But, uh... Yeah, so we get to Laos and we start doing the Gibbon experience, man. It was it was a fucking trip for sure. Like, we're just in the middle of the jungle where people are living out there. There's just a little tiny village. I mean, it looks like the way they've been living for thousands of years. All the shit's made out of, like, bamboo and and leaves for the roof and just all this stuff they've gathered from the jungle. I mean, everything's so plentiful around there. You really can live off it. And it was really amazing to see that, man. Like, people with so little, but... So little by our standards in the Western world, but still having a really good time. Like, everyone's smiling and, and kind of doing their thing. And it's, it was just such a weird experience, man. It was fucking cool. And then we start hiking through the jungle. I mean, we're fucking doing all these zip lines and shit. And our guides were like these little, little Laotian dudes who... Yeah, there's just a smaller people. I don't know. Growing up in the jungle, there's like different shit going on with their jeans. They're all like, you know, four, four and a half feet tall or something. And but incredible athletes, man. I saw this guy climbing up shit you wouldn't believe. It was it was crazy, man. It was really cool. And he taught me all about what plants in the jungle can be used for what. He would point at shit and be like, Yeah, this is what we make our furniture out of. This is what we make our roofs out of. I use this one for medicine. I could fucking eat this one. And all that stuff, which is really interesting because I don't know that much about my, you know, local foliage around here to be able to live off it. I don't know shit about it. But these people really live off the land, man. There's still people doing that across the world, which is amazing. You know, it was really cool to experience. So that was really fun. I became good friends with all those people on that trip. And I'm really glad I did it, man. It was, it was really cool. Um, that lasted a few days. Great experience, man. Staying in these giant tree houses and shit that were rat infested, and man, it was just unbelievable, it was just a really cool experience, after that, decided to go back to Thailand, because in order to even get into Thailand, I had to have proof of departure, they wouldn't even let me into the country, unless I proved to them that I had a plane ticket going out of the country, and I didn't have a plane ticket when I got there, I decided, you know, I didn't know where I was going, I didn't know when I was leaving, I didn't have any plan, which was stupid looking back on it, but whatever, I mean, it worked out, so as soon as I got to the airport, when I got to Bangkok, I bought a ticket to Cambodia because I wanted to go to Cambodia and see Angkor Wat. I wanted to experience the country. I know a bunch of crazy fucking shit has gone down there in recent history. 
And I thought it would be cool to visit there. So that was my next stop. And I bought it for like three weeks later. So by the time I was leaving Laos, I had like another week and a half or so to kill before I had to be back in Bangkok to catch my flight to Cambodia to a place called Siem Reap. So I went back to Chiang Mai because I fucking love Chiang Mai. It was sweet. Went and watched like some Muay Thai fights, which was super entertaining. It was tight, man. It was it was a really cool experience. Such a trip there. And then like the place where I watched the Muay Thai fight, I don't know what part of town it was. It must have been like the red light district or something because there was a million hookers and they all want to play Connect Four, which is funny. They're like Connect Four masters. Connect Four and Jenga. They'll fuck anyone up at that shit. Like they could go to the Olympics for that. I'm not sure if it's an Olympic sport. But it should be, and if it was, then the Thai hookers would take the gold every fucking year with that shit. Um, but yeah, it's just, you know, it's different there, man. The sex work is huge. Imagine being in a country where there's not much opportunity, and uh, you're like a hot chick, and there's all these tourists around. I mean, you know, one thing leads to another. You gotta make money somehow, you know? But not really my scene, not what I'm into. I mean, I'm not against it, I'm not for it. It's just kind of is there, and, uh, you know... Fucking do what you want, do your thing, you know, whatever. Um, but it was funny, man. You know, just seeing that—that's a—that's a huge part of why people travel there, which I thought was was kind of weird. Like, damn, you can't get pussy in your own country. You're gonna travel all the way over there, but to bang them for cheap or something. But you know, to each their own. Whatever you got to do, man, to get your rocks off. Fuck it. So yeah, watch some Muay Thai fighting in Chiang Mai, which was super entertaining. They even put blindfolds on. Uh, each fighter put blindfolds on and then just started throwing haymakers at each other and just twirling around the ring. It was the fucking most awesome shit I've ever seen in my life. Uh, chilled there for a while and I got, you know, I had had a good time that night, you know. I had a, had a couple drinks and stuff and then went back to the spot, passed out. The next day I was heading to a place called Pai. Uh, Pai is another little town in northern Thailand. It's supposed to be a little more laid back, you know, there's there's less motorcycles, that's the whole reason I wanted to go there, because you can't hear yourself fucking think in most of these big cities, man, because everyone's just hauling ass on these motorcycles, and motorcycles are just loud as fuck, especially shitty ones that are about to break, and all these cars are, you know, they're kind of just, they're keeping them all going, no matter what, you know, it's not like everyone can buy a new car every year or two, so they just keep whatever they got and make it work, they're repairing them and stuff, and shit is just loud. I have a thing with noises where it just drives me crazy, man. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to do my thing. And then hearing really loud noises distracts me. It fucking drives me nuts. And motorcycles are one of those things that does that. So I'm like, hey, you know, I'm on vacation. I want to relax. Just have a good time. Things are a little crazy right now. I heard Pi was a very chill spot. It's like the hippie spot where people go and they like smoke weed and do mushrooms or whatever. And I was like, hey, shit, that sounds fun. Let's do that. So... I got a bus ride the next day there. Oh, man, and that sucked. That fucking sucked because it was like a five-hour drive, and it was one of the windiest roads in, like, the whole fucking world. Uh, 726 turns, maybe 762, one of those. 762 turns going uphill. Man, it was just gnarly, dude. The windiest road I have ever been on, and with a hangover, that is not fun. Not fun at all. Um... There was a guy going on the bus also. He was sitting next to me. He was this guy from London, kind of a, a bigger dude. And he was telling me about traveling to India. He said that India was fucking sweet. He traveled there and was there for like three months. I was like, holy shit, that's kind of crazy. It didn't He sure didn't look like he did that kind of shit. 
But uh, you'd be surprised, man, at the different people doing uh, all kinds of stuff out in, out in the world. It's a great big world with all kinds of people. But yeah, it kind of inspired me to want to go check out India. Uh, maybe I'll do that someday. Anyway, so I get to Pi, you know, hoping I would find this this little oasis where everything's really chill, you know, people doing fucking yoga and smoking blunts and shit. I don't know what to expect. But I get there and it totally wasn't that. There was more fucking motorcycles than than anywhere else combined. Like, everybody with a fucking motorcycle in Thailand decided to go to Pai this weekend for this fucking music festival that only happens once a year. And it's like a motorcycle music festival or something like that. And I'm like, God damn it, man. Just my luck. I was so fucking pissed, dude. <laughs> that shit sucked. Just because it was like even louder than anywhere else I went to before. And then I'm like, all right, whatever, you know, no big deal. So I went to go look for a spot to stay. And uh, first hotel I went to, they said they were completely booked. I was like, oh, man, that's a bummer. No problem. I'll just go somewhere else. Go to the next place. And uh, man, same story. They were completely booked as well. So I'm like, oh, shit, you know. I go to another place and they were completely booked. and And I do it again and again and again. And I go to like. Man, I must have went to like 50 different places. I, I was doing this for like four hours. I went to every spot in the whole town. And everywhere was completely booked. No vacancy. You're fucked. And I'm like, God damn it, man. This shit sucks. So there wasn't much I could do at that point. Uh, But I didn't give up. I kept going. And eventually I found a spot where I could stay. I stayed inside of a tent inside of somebody's house or something. I don't know what the fuck it was, but it was cool, you know, better than nothing. Uh, so I did that, and I chilled in pie for a couple days. Ah, oh, shit, hold on. I got stopped real quick. Let me get back to where I left off. My camera stopped recording. One minute. All right, and we are back. I apologize for that. I'm still learning how to use all my shit. Uh, anyways, yeah, so... I decided to chill and pie for an extra couple days because at first I was really, you know, upset that there were all the motorcycles and shit, whatever, no big deal. I got over it and uh, everyone left like the next day because the concert was over. And then after that, it was really chill. It was like what I had heard about, you know. So fucking chilled there and I just went to see the sights. They have a bunch of cool shit around there. I chilled at this place. It was the Bamboo Bridge. And, you know, just like the name, it was just all these giant bridges made out of bamboo over these rice fields. And it was absolutely beautiful. I mean, it was it was unbelievable. So I went there. Uh, I was just chilling, like drinking a beer, just taking in the sights, you know. And uh, some kid came up to me. His name was Mike. And he was with a girl. Her name was Evie. And we started talking. And Mike was from, like, Massachusetts or Maryland or something. He was American. I know that. And he was about the same age as me. And Evie was this uh, beautiful girl from London. And they're like, hey, well, you want to chill with us? You know, we got a group of people going around and checking shit out, mobbing around on motorcycles. You want to come? I'm like, fuck yeah, let's do it. So I actually became good friends with these people. They're cool as fuck. So I ended up hanging out with them for the remainder of the time that I was in Pi. We just drove around on motorcycles and fucking had a good old time, man. Just being tourists, driving around and checking shit out and just chilling, man. I also met this other kid there. His name was Pierre. He was from London as well. He's a photographer and uh, me and him became pretty good friends and it was cool, man. A bunch of kids, and we just had a great time. Went out and party a little bit, checked out the sights, and had a really good time in Pies. Definitely a really cool place. I would recommend everyone to to check out. But one thing you gotta watch out for in in this whole area of the world is the water. You don't want to be drinking the water. You don't even want to be brushing your teeth with it, because I wasn't drinking it. 
because I knew the tap water was bad, but I was still brushing my teeth with it, and that caused me to get an infection in my tooth, which fucking sucked. It hurt like a bitch, and it was painful. And, uh, you know, luckily, you can just go to the pharmacy there in uh, Thailand, and you could buy, like, whatever you want. Like, you could get fucking Xanax, Valium, you can get your antibiotics, and things like that. So, you know, that's cool. I was able to take care of it myself rather than in America. Even if you know you have, like, strep throat and you need some amoxicillin, you still have to go get a doctor to write you the prescription. So then you can go to the pharmacy to sell you the pills, you know. Whereas in Thailand, you can just go straight to the source, which was nice. I mean, that's something they got going for them there. And I don't think, I don't know if people really abuse it or whatever. I mean, that's the justification they use here in America, I'm sure. But at the end of the day, we all know what it's all about. It's all about the money. And the medical industry is so fucking corrupt here. I mean, it's just a fucking joke. It really is. But uh, anyways, yeah, so watch out for the water there because it'll fuck you up. It really will. And, you know, you don't want to eat, like, salads or anything like that because it could have bugs and just, just gross shit. I mean, it's a different standard of living, you know. There's no way around it. But, um, yeah, so after pie, we, had, we all parted ways, me and my new friends. You know, it was kind of a sad thing, but... It's fucking way it goes, you know. I was going to Cambodia. Uh, Pierre, I think he went to Myanmar, formerly Burma. Yeah, he went to Myanmar. Um, I think Luis went there as well. I don't know where Mike went. I don't know where Evie went. But uh, we were all going separate ways. So then I went to Cambodia and uh, went back to Bangkok, caught a flight to Siem Reap. And then, boom, I'm in fucking Cambodia, and I'm stoked. I'm like, holy shit, I'm in another country again. This is crazy, you know? And I remember the night I got there, it was a full moon, and the dirt in Cambodia is, like, blood red. It's really, really red soil, and it's all up in the in the sky from... It's just a dusty place. It's, it's fucking crazy. So the full moon just looked completely red. It was like a blood moon or what they say here. They have blood moons here. I don't know if it's the same shit as it is there, but I just know that the moon looked really crazy when I got there that night. Um, I get there and I, I get taken to my hotel. So now I'm booking in advance because when I went to Pi, I learned that, you know, you're not always guaranteed a spot, even if you're in a giant city or something, maybe it's all booked up. So now I just use like booking.com or trip.com or, or hostile world or whatever the fuck can just find a spot beforehand and try to try to book it and then you know that way I'm good so one second god fall no way my fucking card is full on my camera so now I can't record this oh well you're just going to listen to the uh the audio version of it that's just as good i guess um fuck where was i oh yeah so i get to cambodia and, uh, yeah, I get taken to my spot in my tuk-tuk. That's what everyone uses for transportation there. Basically what it is is a motorcycle with a guy, you know, it's a mo- it's a guy driving a motorcycle, and he has a cart on the back of his motorcycle that you sit in. And, you know, he's basically your taxi driver, and he just takes you wherever you want to go. They're super affordable. It's a fucking cool way to travel, man. I love that shit. Uh, yeah, I get to Cambodia, and it's, man, it's just a whole different world, even from Thailand to Cambodia. Even though they're so close, they have such different histories. Uh, in the 70s, Thai, uh, Cambodia, man, they just went through a terrible genocide. During Viet- the Vietnam War, you know, America was fighting the North Vietnamese, and, you know, this is a very, like, 
confined explanation of what happened. I'm sure there's more to the story, but in, in general, this is kind of what happened, like the chain of events. So there was the Vietnam War, and the we were fighting the North Vietnamese. We were friends with the South Vietnamese, we as in the American Army. Uh, and the North Vietnamese had a supply route called the Ho Chi Minh Trail, and this Ho Chi Minh Trail kind of went through Cambodia in parts. So America was bombing the shit out of Cambodia. I think it's been bombed more than like any other country in the world. It just massive bombing throughout the countryside of La- or Cambodia. And it's just fucking everything up. So you had all these people in Cambodia that just hated America and they hated capitalism. And, you know, w- and they kind of had the right to because they're getting fucking blown up all the time by these these airplanes who belong to these capitalists and they're not even part of this war, you know? But they were allowing the North Vietnamese to use their land to smuggle arms and shit. So, I don't know. It's kind of a fucking weird situation. But there was all this anti-capitalist sentiment going on in Cambodia at the time in the countryside. So, what this ha- what this allowed to happen, you know, amongst other things, I'm sure was the rise of this regime called the Khmer Rouge. And they're probably one of the worst fucking regimes to, to ever live, you know, without a doubt. After World War II and there was, you know, the Holocaust with the Jews uh, in Germany and all that, that, that was never supposed to happen again. There was never supposed to be a mass killing ever again where, you know, one group of people is just exterminated. We're supposed to help, you know, if that shit's supposed to happen. That was, like, what the League of Nations was for and the United Nations. But, of course, it's actually for other shit, and that's another topic for another day that I'll go into. But, anyways, it just shows what bullshit that is because between, in the 70s, in the late 70s in Cambodia, between, like, 3 and 6 million people were murdered. And, you know, that's not exaggeration. Those are actual factual numbers. And it was the Cambodians doing it to themselves. It was the rural Cambodians who went into the big cities like Phnom Penh, which was the capital, and they forced everyone out at gunpoint. Millions of people. And they just forced them all into the countryside to farm rice. And you don't get taught this shit in school. Like, there was never one fucking second in school where I was taught about the Cambodian genocide because it's one of those things in history that just gets swept under the rug, man, because because we really fucked up and we didn't do anything to help them. You know, this went on for years and years. And of course we knew what was happening. We were fighting a war right there in Vietnam. You're going to tell us that we don't know what's going on in the next door neighbor state in Cambodia? Like, that's what the CIA is for. That's, they're the Central Intelligence Agency. They're gathering intelligence. And who knows? Maybe the CIA even aided the fucking Khmer Rouge to murder all these people because there's some blood-hungry, sick motherfuckers. I wouldn't be surprised, you know? But anyways, yeah, it was led by this this guy. His name was Pol Pot, a real fucking genuine piece of shit. And just all these uneducated people from the countryside were just brainwashed into fucking murdering their fellow man and just forcing him to do this slave labor. And man, so many people died. And a majority of the people died from malnutrition and just not having enough food because they shut off contact with all of the Western world and they just try to become self, self-dependent self out of nowhere and turn all these people who don't know nothing about farming rice into rice farmers. And even the people who were, like, controlling them and telling them to work, they didn't know how to farm rice really either. So it was just, it was set up, it was a fucking disaster from the get-go. And this is kind of the history of Cambodia in a way. There's This has happened a lot, you know, with revolutions and warfare. It was just a very turbulent area. 
But yeah, especially during the 70s when all this shit happened. And that's that's recent, you know? Like, my dad was like fucking 18 in the 70s, you know? While this shit was happening. So it's not like it was a long time ago. And uh, man, it's just it's just a crazy fucking history of, of what's happened in Cambodia. I would really recommend you guys look into it if you're not familiar with it. Uh, I read a book while I was there. It was called Life in the Killing Fields. And it was actually written by the guy who starred in the movie The Killing Fields, which was about, you know, the killing fields in Cambodia where all these people were just fucking slaughtered and there's mass graves. Um, but yeah, it was it was written by a guy who was a doctor in Phnom Penh. He's a Cambodian guy. And then uh, fucking all of a sudden, they just get invaded, him and his whole family and the rest of the city all get forced out of the countryside. And it's just his story of him and his family, you know, trying to stick together and survive. He ends up getting tortured three times, which he's the only person that anybody knows of that survived being tortured three times by the Khmer Rouge because they do some gnarly fucking shit. I actually went to the S-21 prison in Phnom Penh and saw some of the torture devices and the shit they use just to fuck people up. And it's it's unbelievable, man. It's, it's really terrible. And it was a really powerful experience, and they're still trying to recover from that. And uh, it's just crazy, man. Really nice people, though, you know? And a majority of them are Buddhists as well. And there were Buddhists during the fucking uh, the genocide there, too. But Anka, which was the Khmer Rouge, the name for the Khmer Rouge, they said you can't worship the Buddha anymore. And if you did, you get fucking killed because the only thing that matters is the state. The only thing that matters is Anka. And that's what the Khmer Rouge called themselves. And in Cambodian, all Anka means is like the corporation. But it was also a play on words for the old... Angkor civilization, which built Angkor Wat and Bayon and all these really, really amazing structures. Because a thousand years ago, 1500 years ago, Cambodia was a thriving civilization. It was like the center of civilization in Southeast Asia. They're incredibly advanced. They had all these waterways that they used for trade. They had these massive temples, and it was just absolutely fucking amazing. And then, you know. It's crazy to see the rise and fall of civilizations and, and how things go. But, man, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. I didn't even talk about what I did in Cambodia. I'm just giving you a little little background on Cambodia, you know, in general. And it's not like I'm the fucking historian who knows the most about that. But I know a little bit, and so I find it really interesting. So, um, the, real, the main reason I wanted to go to Cambodia was to check out Angkor. Uh, Angkor Wat. And it, these... There are this, these giant temples in the middle of the jungle, and they're, they're absolutely unbelievable. They're fucking huge. They're the largest religious monuments ever constructed. And they have, like Angkor Wat, for example, it's just one temple, but just the moat to get across, like the bridge to get across the moat that surrounds the whole thing is 300 meters. And that's fucking huge. That's over three football fields. And that you're just walking across the bridge, and you're not even, you don't even get to the main temple. You get to like, the wall of a temple which is just like the introductory temple and then you walk like another 500 meters and then you see Angkor Wat which is just this huge enormous temple it's absolutely beautiful I mean it's really a it's one of the wonders of the world that everyone should visit because it's just crazy man like thinking that these people were so devoted to their gods and stuff it was a Hindu temple at first and then got converted to like a Buddhist temple. They're always kind of switching back and forth depending on who was king and what the king wanted you to believe and stuff. But um, 
man, just to see it in real life and to experience it and to walk around it and climb around it and see the artwork inside of it because all of the walls are covered in these things called reliefs. And basically what that is are these little statues and little pieces of artwork carved into the sandstone that tell stories of, you know, kings from Cambodia or, you know, stories in Hinduism or Buddhism or whatever it may be. So that was really, really, really interesting to see. And it was something I really wanted to check out. I went to the museum beforehand before I went to the actual temples to kind of get some some background information on it. And it was just more examples of uh, how devoted these people were to their spirituality. It's something that you don't see much here in America as people who are, you know, that spiritually in tune. And, you know, there's just so much about it. It is just fucking crazy. It's something you don't see here. So that was really interesting, and I really liked it there. Uh, I had a lot of fun in CM Reap, but I met a lot of cool people there. They actually got, like, a pretty fucking popping party scene. And it's weird, man. Like, in Southeast Asia, a lot of these towns like, like CM Reap, they're so dependent on tourist dollars. So you see them really catering to, like, the Western, I don't know, just partying and shit. Uh, fucking bars and, like loud music and they're all playing like top 40 hits and it's so weird to be in the middle of Cambodia and to be walking around and then hearing this kid singing this like super popular American song and singing it in English too and he's just like all about this song (laughs) that was just made across the world that has like nothing to do with him but he's just he's just all about it so that's just further evidence that America and Hollywood in particular it's just the culture creation center of the whole world. And it was it was chosen to be that a long time ago, you know, by the people who want to control the culture. And I'll talk about that in future talks as well. But for now, I'm just wanting to talk about what I did in Southeast Asia. So, uh, yeah, that was just weird, man, to see. It, it kind of sucked, to be honest, because I've, I've had enough of that shit in America. I fucking don't even like hearing that shit here, really, you know, like the super mainstream pop music that is just pushed onto us. But then you see it in Southeast Asia and and these other countries where, you know, they're like always listening to it, like even more than us. And that's just, it's just weird. I want to see them doing their own shit, you know, like listening to their own music or whatever. But that's just not how it is anymore. We're really living in a global society where shitty music is universal, apparently, which is a little disappointing, but what can you do? Uh, yeah, so I spent a little time in Siem Reap, and then after that, I, I wanted to go see more of Cambodia, but to be honest, man, shit is just a little crazy there, like, it's not like Thailand, Thailand's, like, pretty fucking nice, but Cambodia, you know, it's, it's a lot like Laos, you know, same, like, third world country, really nice people and shit, but I don't know, to be honest, I kind of wanted to get out of there, I went to this place called Bottom Bong, which, you know, I didn't spend much time there, I don't have much to say about it, but I, I didn't feel like I wanted to spend much time there. <laughs> no offense to people from Bottom Bong. But uh, after that, I went to Phnom Penh, which is the capital of Cambodia. And that was cool to see. It was really interesting. I ran to some people who skateboard there, which was tight. And I skated with these kids from Cambodia, and they're actually pretty good. They're skating at, like, the one spot where you can't skate. There's this little, like, plaza area with some with some good concrete. And they were... Uh, doing some kickflips and tray flips and ollieing down this gap and shit, which was really refreshing to see because I didn't see many people skating in Southeast Asia. Um, but after that, man, I'm like, okay, I kind of want to go somewhere nice now. I, To be honest, I've been staying at some places that, uh, you know, it was more like survival than a vacation at times. So I was like, man, I want to go to like some 
someplace on the beach, someplace that's nice and do something fun. So I decided to go back to Thailand and to go to the Gulf of Thailand to some islands there. I went to uh, Koh Samoy, Koh Phangan, and Koh Tao. And the whole time, man, I was just living like a fucking king. It was awesome, dude. I was staying in beach bungalows, just having a great fucking time. You know, I was you know reading a lot, writing a lot, partying, chilling with people that live there, and learning a lot about the culture and the language. And uh, it was just a great time. And then after that, well, I went from first I landed in Koh Samoy, which was the biggest island. Then I went to Copenhagen after that, spent a few days there. And then after that, I went to Koh Tao. And Koh Tao is like the scuba dive capital of the world. Like there's no place cheaper to dive than Koh Tao. And it's one of the best places in the world to go diving. And I've always wanted to scuba dive. So it's like, fuck yeah, let's do it. I went to Koh Tao and I got my open water, open water dive certification, which was fucking the coolest shit I've ever done in my life, man. It was really, really nice. It's just a different world underwater. Like, it's really amazing. I had a great instructor. His name was Sly. Uh, the place I went to there was Siam Scuba. So if you find yourself in the area, I would definitely recommend going to check them out. Uh, Siam Scuba in Seri Beach, Kotao. It's like the main spot there. It's a really small island. But, man, what a cool fucking little island. The people are great there. Super nice. And made a bunch of friends there because there's people from all over the world who go there just to dive, you know. I made friends with a, with these German people and Sly was French-Canadian and, uh, oh, check this shit out. So I get to Kotao, I get a text from Pierre on Instagram. Pierre was the kid I met in, uh, in Pi like a month earlier. And he's like, hey, dude, where are you at nowadays? I'm like, uh, I'm in Kotao, I'm, I'm diving. He's like, holy shit, dude, I'm going to be there tomorrow. Let's hang out. I'm fucking A, dude. So now I'm hanging out with Pierre again. And he, we met up with a bunch of kids we were with too, uh, uh, Pierre was there, this kid John, Evie, the hot girl from London, uh, this kid Luis from California, but it was all the kids I was with in Pi almost, except for Mike, I didn't see Mike again, but it was fucking amazing, like how cool is that, man, these are the only kids I, I made like real good friends with and we were able to meet up again, you know, like a thousand miles away, like a month later, after everyone went all these different places and it was really cool to hear about everyone's different experiences and shit and to be able to just be hanging out again. So that was really tight, man. Had a lot of fun in Kotao. Originally, I just wanted to get my uh, open water certification. That means you can dive down to 18 meters. Uh, but fuck, I was having so much fun. Decided to do my advanced open water where you can dive down to like 33 meters. And uh, did all those courses, man. I dove on like shipwrecks and shit. I saw sharks and stingrays and turtles and all kinds of really cool shit. I, I went scuba diving in the middle of the night. And... uh Man, just kind of indescribable. It's something you just you just got to do, and I would recommend everyone do that because it was a good time. Now, um, something I didn't know until after I left Kotao was that it is also known as Murder Island. There's a bunch of people who have been fucking killed there. All these travelers and shit who never, never leave, or, you know, they never return home because they get murdered. And uh, there's been a bunch of murders in recent years there, which I didn't know. Apparently there's a fucking serial killer on this small island of 5,000 people who kills people like right at the beach where I was chilling the whole time. I was like, holy shit, I didn't know that. He knew not to come after me though, I'd fuck him up. You know, I don't, I don't fuck around, but... No, I'm just kidding, but that's that's kind of crazy though, right? So... Uh, luckily, I avoided that, uh, and then it was time to go. I decided to go to uh, Indonesia to go meet up with my friend uh, Proto. Proto is a flight attendant who 
you know, he grew up with my brother. He's a few years older than me, but, you know, good homie. So we're all friends here. I decided I was going to go meet up with him. But then I get to uh, Bali to meet up with him, and he, he fucking couldn't get a flight. He just didn't show up, which was a bummer. I was a little disappointed. Like, what the fuck, dude? But uh, it is what it is, and it's whatever. I've been traveling alone all the way up to till that point anyway, so I wasn't that bummed about it. I just continued traveling alone. Um, went around Bali, and, you know, having been all these other places that I went, and then to get to Bali, which can be described as, like, the Australian Hawaii, it's really westernized, but they still got their own shit going on. Like, it's pretty interesting, but there's a lot of people who, like, really want your money, like, the taxi drivers are super aggressive, and, you know, they're just like, where are you going, where are you going, it's just kind of fucking weird, to be honest with you, I didn't really like Bali that much, you know, fucking call me, I don't know, call me whatever you want to call me, but it wasn't my favorite spot that I visited, uh, one of the reasons might be, because I lost my debit card there, and I couldn't get any money, so that fucking sucks, I had to figure out how to deal with that, ended up sending myself money through Western Union, through my brother in America, and it was just this whole fucking ordeal that kind of sucked, but it worked out, I just had to lose a shitload of money, because it cost money to send yourself money, which is kind of bullshit, but what can you do, next time, bring a, bring an extra debit card, and, uh, yeah, man, I chilled in Bali for a while, it was kind of cool, I went to this place called Ubud, which was like, kind of like an artsy town, and that was really nice, actually, I liked it there, I went to the monkey forest and saw all these fucking monkeys, which was tight. Like, monkeys are really cool. Uh, And then after that, I decided to go to the Geely Islands. Now, the Geely Islands is another very, very small chain of islands. And uh, fucking took a boat out there. It's, I think it's east of, uh, no, wait, maybe west. I don't know. It's right off the coast of Bali. And, uh went there, and that was a trip, too, I, I got there to this place called Gilear, which was the smallest island there, and I'm looking around, and everything's all, all fucked up, kind of, you know, like, like, the buildings are all broken down, and, and turned into rubble, and it was just the weirdest thing, I was like, man, why don't they, like, fix up their buildings, you know, it doesn't seem, like, everything is just strewn about, and all these rocks are, like, it's like the buildings were just destroyed, or hit with sledgehammers, or something, I didn't understand it, and then I felt like a fucking idiot when someone told me that they had just had a devastating earthquake there in August. August of, you know, like six months before or whatever. And I had no idea about it. It just shows, you know, how missing, how uninformed I am. Because it was a it was a terribly devastating earthquake that happened there uh, on the island of Lombok. Which was the island next to Bali. And the Gili Islands are like right off the coast of Lombok. They're closer to Lombok than they are to to Bali, but everything's really close there, Indonesia is like 20,000 islands or some shit, but, uh, man, that was fucking nuts, dude, so I chilled in Gilly for a little bit, I did some more diving and stuff, and it, w- it was a cool little town, but a little boring, not gonna lie, after that, I decided to go to Lombok, and, man, that shit was, there's a lot I could say about that, but I'll just say it's, uh, it's the real Indonesia, you know, it's like the real deal, like, whereas in Bali, you see, a shitload of tourists and, and people from all over, like lots of white people and shit. In, in Lombok, pretty much everywhere I went, I was like the only white person. And uh, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It was just uh, it was just interesting, you know? People are looking at you different. They're like, who's this guy? You know, he, he looks different. That's It's funny, man. And uh, Bali has their own religion. They're like a, I think it's a version of Hinduism. But it's like, they have their own Balinese gods. Whereas in Lombok, it's it's 
predominantly Muslim. It's like 99%. And, uh, but very, very nice people. You know, we have this, this, uh, we're a little misguided on the Muslim values here in America, I think, you know, after 9-11 and all that shit that fall with that. But, um, man, really, really nice, accommodating people. I mean, I haven't been treated nicer by a group of people I don't think anywhere else in the world. Um, they just take you in like your family, man. It's, it's fucking cool. But uh, I went to Lombok to go climb up this volcano called Mount Rinjani, which is this giant fuck. It's the second highest volcano in Indonesia. And, uh, man, that shit was gnarly, bro. So I got picked up on a motorcycle by this kid who must have been like 15 years old. He didn't even look like he was old enough to ride a motorcycle. But that was my ride to Mount Rinjani. And uh, I'm on the back of this motorcycle holding on to this kid, and shit was just fucking crazy, man. We almost crashed. Like, you're just hauling ass down these little two-lane highways with all these people on them, you know? And everyone's passing each other, and there's no rules. There's no cops. Like, there's... It's every man for himself, you know? And people die there every day. And it's, you know, no fucking big deal, you know? There's no... I don't know. I don't know what the fuck happens. I'm just glad I didn't die there. But uh, I remember going up and getting, the closer you got to Mount Rinjani, which was on like the northern part of the island, the the more fucked up the towns were. I remember rolling through this one town and, you know, every building was just devastated. It was just rubble. Like there was nothing left. And I had never seen anything like that in my life. I mean, it was, it was like a war zone. And uh, I mean, it was fucking heartbreaking, man. And I think one of the most powerful things I saw on my whole trip was going through this this devastated city where everything is just broken, you know, like the whole building has just been reduced to rubble, but there was there was this one little part of the building that was still standing up, and you could tell this is where this old woman lived, and that was, you know, where she had set up shop. And she was out there sweeping her her front porch and the little walkway going up to her house, and she had this nice, clean little pathway leading up to this one little room that was still standing amidst all this rubble. And she still kept that one little area as clean as she possibly could. This old little Indonesian woman must have been at least 80 years old. And every morning, same routine, I'm sure she does it every morning, she comes out with a broom, sweeps her little walkway, and, you know, still tries to keep it as nice as possible. And, uh, man, that was just such an indication of, of the spirit of the people there. And just how they how they carry on, you know, and rebuild and, and deal with it and make the most of what they have. Because despite, you know, the devastation and, and seeing, you know, how, how fucked up everything was, you know, materialistically or whatever, like the spirit of them was not broken. And I think a lot of that has to do with, with their religion and, you know, like how they look out for each other and stuff. It's, it's just a different values there. You know, what matters to them is their family and, and their religion and their God. And uh, if their house fucking falls down, I mean, obviously it fucking sucks, but it's not the end of the world. And uh, just to see people carry on after that and to still be happy and still be smiling and joking and stuff was really powerful. And uh, fuck, it was just crazy, man. It made me want to cry, honestly. Like, that shit was crazy. But uh, yeah, got to Mount Rinjani, and that, fuck, is the second highest mountain in uh, Indonesia. It basically goes from sea level to like, I don't know, like 12,000 feet or something. It's fucking huge, dude. And a lot of people normally climb it, but I was there in the middle of the rainy season. So I was the only one. It was only me. 
And I climbed up this mountain 10 miles in the rain. And it was the hardest shit I've ever done. The hardest shit I've ever done. Uh, Like, it was really fucking hard and just, I don't know. There's not much to describe about it except it was really tough. But it was really sick when I got to the top, you know, soaking wet and freezing. Um, But to see the, the giant crater, the caldera, there was a lake inside of it. And when I saw the most beautiful sunset of my life, um, and it was just really dope, dude. I'm really glad I went there. The now it was really hard for me to do this hike. I had like hiking boots and you know all this shit. My guide, like my porter dude, who was like going with me, because you can't do it alone. I mean, you could, I'm sure, but it's better because I didn't know where the fuck I was going. What if I get lost in the jungle, you know? So I had a guide, and he was just this kid, and he's just wearing flip flops, man. Like he couldn't afford shoes, dude. Like. That's still the case in most people in most of the world is like you only have one pair of shoes. It's probably like flip-flops or something. And if if that shit gets fucked up, then there's not much you can do, you know? Like it's not like here in the Western world where you have like 20 different pairs of shoes. You can go buy one every week or something. Like there's so many people just making do with so little and they're just so thankful for whatever they get. And it's just crazy to experience that, man, and to see it up close and you know, see people's values and stuff and and how other people live in other parts of the world. It really makes you realize how how blessed you are to live in to live in, you know, the Western world, to live in America. I mean, there, there's a lot of fucked up shit going on here, without a doubt. But um I don't know. It's <laughs> shit, if I had to choose a spot, I it's really nice living in America. I love it here. But uh, I also loved Southeast Asia. It was really nice. You know, it was really nice to travel there and get to experience that and, you know, see how other people live. So I still have more to talk about on this trip. I'm only in Indonesia. I also went to the Philippines after that. But um, hopefully this gives you a little introduction to myself and uh, to my style of talking. I'm sure I'll get better as I do more podcasts. This is my first one. And we're going to talk about different topics as well. I won't I won't always talk about myself and things that I do. But I figured it was a good thing to talk about since I literally just got back from the trip. You know, that was like what I did. I quit my job. I went and traveled to Southeast Asia. And then I got back. And since then, I've just been working on music. Um, I haven't even mentioned anything about my music this whole fucking time. Yeah, so I, I'm coming out with a shitload of new music. That's basically all I'm working on right now. And I wanted to do the podcast as well just to kind of back that up and be consistently creating content. Um, Really going after this music thing and trying to make something work, man. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, This is going to be the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I'm going to come back next week, follow up this story, and talk about something else as well. So yeah, thanks for listening to uh, Do the Knowledge with Homage. Episode 1, coming to a close. Be sure to tune in next week, and we'll finish up with the story. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye.